You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Pitchity is our name for a group that was only fairly recently defined or outlined. That's Dick O'Brien. He's a principal editor at Symantec. The research we're discussing today is titled, Wichity Group Uses Updated Toolset in Attacks on Governments in Middle East. a bit of research put out by our peers in ESET back in April of this year. And they were looking at a kind of broad espionage operation that's known as TA410. And their conclusion was that it was actually three distinct different actors. And they called them uh, Looking Frog, uh, Flowing Frog, and Jolly Frog. And um, which is our name for one of those actors, which is Looking Frog. Uh, This kind of, I guess, uh, reassessment of of groups uh, is not um, that unusual. Um, It frequently happens um, with uh, espionage groups from that um, part of the world. It's it's quite murky trying to get a picture of of who is a distinct uh, threat group. You'll see an awful lot of um, shared use of tools and infrastructure um, so it can be often very difficult to uh, decide where uh, one group starts and another group ends, so to speak. And I think that's probably because there's, I, I guess there's a, a different kind of a culture of espionage operations there. I think this seems to be uh, they use a lot more um, contractors and people move around a lot and sometimes kind of seem to work for more than one uh, operation. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty murky. Um, so anyway... Wichity was was kind of uh, was was identified as a distinct actor um, back in April of this year, and their calling card uh, is really two pieces of malware: a first stage backdoor known as X4, and then a second stage payload um, known as um, Lookback. So he said they they, they said um, this group targets governments and diplomatic missions and charities and, and some industrial companies, and that's largely in line 
than what we saw, what we have seen. You know, um, we've seen kind of more recent activity of this, and they seem to be continuing to use, you know, much the same tool set. Uh, although we have some new discoveries, um, but also kind of that the profile of victims is quite similar as well. Well, let's go through some of the new things that you all have discovered here. I mean, there's a there's an interesting piece that uses steganography. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we discovered a couple of new tools um, that they're using. I guess the most interesting one is is a backdoor uh, that we haven't been seen before. Um, we call it stegma. I guess it's a rarely seen technique, steganography. So that, that's what makes it so interesting. Um, so I, I guess a lot of listeners may have heard of steganography, but for those who haven't, it's a technique uh, that involves hiding as something or a message within an image. Um, and I think it first came into the news nearly 20 years ago when there was there were some reports that Al-Qaeda was using it. Um, they were hiding messages and images and, and sharing them on public forums, and it was kind of a, a covert way of communicating for them. Um, but in this case, anyway, the, the um, thing that was hidden in the image was the code uh, for, for this back door. So how it works was that a quite of innocuous-looking image file. Um, it was a bitmap image um, of, I think it's an old Windows logo. I think it's like from 98 or 2000 or something like that. And it's uh, it was hosted on GitHub. So what happened was is that uh, there was a, a loader for um, this tool, and uh, it would download the, the bitmap image from GitHub, and then it would decrypt the payload from the image. Um, it was encrypted with an XOR key and, and then loaded up. Uh, so th- that's how it worked. Now, the functionality of the malware, you know, it's, it's, a, it's your pretty standard backdoor. You know, uh, the technique is unusual, but like the, the functionality is quite, um, you know, it's, it's what you'd see, you know, that this, they can copy files, delete files, um, start up new processes, uh, kill processes, things like that. Yeah, I have to say that the use of the Windows logo strikes me as being somewhat clever in that it's the type of thing that if you were to examine it, I, I think it'd be easy to say, well, there's nothing unusual about that. It seems like the kind of thing that in a routine could be downloaded as part of something else. Or, you know, it's it's such a ubiquitous image that it really draws attention to itself. Yeah, and I think you're, you're kind of touching on uh, why they use this technique, you know, because there's lots of ways of, of obfuscating your malware or hiding uh, the code. What this allows them to do is host the payload on a public service uh, like GitHub. So if somebody uploads a bitmap image to GitHub, it doesn't raise any suspicions, you know, but a heavily obfuscated uh, executable or whatever, that might. Um, mm-hmm. But then, So they can put it on GitHub, but then, you know, if a computer is then calling something from GitHub, that is less likely to raise red flags than uh, if they're downloading a file from some hitherto unseen address you know so it's it, it's i think that's the main reason they use it. it's less to kind of um for for the you know the the code obfuscation and more for their ability to to kind of host something in plain sight and not raise any red flags in terms of um, downloading it
IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Well, one of the things that uh, you all outline here is the attack chain for Wichity. Can you kind of give us uh, uh, highlights here, take us through exactly how it works? Yeah, um, we, we gave a fairly detailed um, attack chain. Um, now, if anybody's interested in it, they can look at the blog because uh, it is, uh, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of uh, commands in it. But it just shows how this group operates uh, and how their attack unfolds. Um, so it's one of the attacks that we saw, and it's the, the one where we kind of uncovered the, the most detail, and, that, and that's why we used it. All of the attacks we saw, they either exploit um, proxy shell or uh, proxy logon, which are um, vulnerabilities in um, Microsoft Exchange Server. Uh, this is very much the infection vector du jour at the moment for a lot of threat actors. They like uh, these vulnerabilities because, you know, uh, Exchange is, a, is usually a public-facing server, so they can try and scan for vulnerable servers where people haven't patched them and, and uh, hit them up. That provided the foothold. And then, um, if I'm, I'm not going to go through each single step, but you will see uh, if you read the blog where they go for there. Once they get onto a server, um, you see them trying to get credentials using various credential dumping techniques. Then they uh, establish a persistent mechanism. And then after a little while, it takes the, you know, the, they're, they're not in any hurry actually. They, uh, start moving across the network and you see them popping up on other machines. Presumably, all of those credentials that they harvested in their attack on the initial machine uh, kind of gave them uh, some, uh, you know, pathway onto, on, onto other machines. So the attack began, um, I think, let me see, was in February of this year. And uh, they managed to stay on that network until uh, the beginning of August. So that is quite a long period of time, and you would anticipate that they managed to um, exfiltrate um, some good information in that time period. To what degree do you think that they're being stealthy here, and, and to what degree was perhaps the victim not as attentive as they should have been? Uh, I think it's a bit of each, to be honest, Dave. Um the fact that they're able to exploit known vulnerabilities uh, in order to um, get onto a network always does point to um, something, a, a network that isn't completely locked down, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But, you know, having said that, they're a competent actor. Um, they do rely a lot on uh, living off the land techniques. They know their PowerShell and things like that. You know, so there isn't like... You know, there is malware involved, but um, that's only, you know, a very small um, subset of the malicious activity that we've seen. What are your recommendations then in terms of folks protecting themselves against this? The recommendations to, that uh, apply to, um, I guess, all targeted or espionage attacks tend to apply to this. You know, you know they start um, with the infection vector. And as I mentioned earlier, exploitation, vulnerabilities 
on uh, public facing servers is is huge um, at the moment. And if you want to prioritize your patching, actually, um, CISA publish a good list of, uh, they call it their known exploitation vulnerabilities catalog. So if you want to prioritize which, which system needs to be up to date and make sure it is, you can you check out that because the, it's only vulnerabilities that are being actively exploited at the moment um, that are listed on it. And then, you know, the, the second thing is, is just consider um, how these attacks unfold. Credential theft is the uh, one of the essential steps that are involved, and you should try and make that as difficult as possible uh, for attackers. So um, don't uh, you regularly refresh your admin credentials, you implement um, two-factor authentication across the board, uh, you know, just make it so the case that if somebody can dump a plain text um, username and password, you know that isn't going to be enough for them to log on to another computer. And and then of course you know you should uh, always use a multi-layered um, security uh, solution, but, you know that includes uh, email security, endpoint, EDR, things like that. Uh, I think that's uh, the, the quick sum up anyway. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the standard stuff, right? And there's nothing terribly exotic on that list, but it's all necessary. And yet, here we are talking about them, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, as as like some organizations may be better resourced than others, or awareness might be as high. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, we we'll try and keep uh, getting the message out. Our thanks to Dick O'Brien from Symantec's Threat Hunter team for joining us. The research is titled Witchity Group Uses Updated Toolset in Attacks on Governments in Middle East. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Rachel Gelfin, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you.